If your spider plant is looking peaky and that Venus flytrap you bought just kicked the bucket, you need On The Ledge, the podcast about indoor gardening where you learn everything you need to know to keep your house plants looking lush. I'm Jane Perone. Join me and a host of wonderful guests to chat all things houseplants at On The Ledge Podcast. Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Joe Chung at As the Joe Flies all over social media, the one and the only, plus Mark Osterman, MTM's managing editor. Before we get into the show, as a reminder, you can find links to subscribe, apply for cards, do anything at mtmpodcast.com or just search Miles to Memories in any podcast app if you want to uh, subscribe to us and uh, leave us a review if you're on Apple Podcasts. We love five-star reviews. Really appreciate it. Helps us out tremendously with the all-knowing algorithm, right, Joe? That algo is our uh, leader. Yes. Always beholden to the algorithm. That's why I'm glad I'm not a YouTuber. (laughs) Yes, the uh, YouTube algo uh, drives a lot of what we do. How is everything up there in sunny New England? Yeah, it's great. snowed on March 28th. I know it snowed up in Michigan as well, although Mark is taking care of some medical issues, so he'll be here in a second. But uh, yeah, it is freezing, but... I don't know. Just par for the course in New England. Getting used to it. Mark's all bandaged up. Mark, what's going on, yes. man? Uh, it's been a rough week. It's been a really terrible week. <laughs> so since uh, last recording, my wife had a, a, a semi-serious surgery, which was planned. It wasn't like uh, out of nowhere. but So she was at the hospital for three, four days recovering. And then so I had the kids and now she's back, but she can't do much. So, and then they're home from for spring break. So everybody's in a house where nobody can really do anything. It's just, it's been awful. So yeah, chipper, chipper. And then to add, add insult to injury, you cut yourself uh, on the microphone just before we recorded. So if you... Yeah, uh, I have yeah. a stand-up, my desk goes to like a stand-up desk. So I store my microphone and stuff in the, like underneath where the stand-up pops out. And I forgot to grab it. So I was just trying to slide my hand in there and just ripped up the top of my hand right before recording. So it's been fun. Beautiful. Good way to start on a positive note here. No, this, we have yes. a lot of fun stuff to discuss uh, this week. And Mark, are you looking forward to Vegas? We're having the Diamond Patreon meetup in just, what is it, a, a week and a half? Something like that. So yeah, that's get me out of here, man. To. Get me out of here. I need to get away from these people. <laughs> BTS weekend, <laughs> BTS mania. Oh, so that's we're gonna, gonna be... that's, I'm not looking forward to that. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. That's going to be a bit, bit much over the top, I think. Do you think it'll be worse than like EDM weekend? Probably. I... Joe, are you familiar with the BTS army and how crazy they are? I don't you know mean this loves, in the worst uh, way. I just mean how serious they are for, for BTS. I've been noticing all the tweets lately. It's They're very, very serious about BTS. I mean, they're serious, but if you don't get in their way, you'll be fine. I mean, if you see one of the BTS guys, don't try to get their autograph because you'll get trampled. But other than that, you'll be fine. I mean, Vegas can absorb so many people, like even on a fight night or things like that. All the action will be towards where the concert is, and I think it, just overall it's just going to give a buzz to Vegas. So it's probably a good time for you all to go, especially I think uh, you got your hotels and stuff before BTS announced. Is that well, right? Some some people did, some people did not. It's been, it's been crazy, but as my daughter said, like that the smooth like butter song. She's like, it's not smooth like butter, it's butter. <laughs> Uh, I should make her come in here and say it. It's funny. The Bellagio Fountains are going to have special BTS shows. There's going to be pop-ups. I think there's even BTS ho- 
hotel Same rooms and those. stuff like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be quite the experience. So uh, all of our diamond patrons are coming. Get to I'm actually that. staying at Bellagio, so I can't really avoid it. Uh, I might need to rethink that, but hopefully I have a view from the room because I don't want to be down there in the crowd watching that stuff. Well, anyway, I know Vegas will will be a nice uh, nice respite from uh, from everything. Let's get into the show. You were talking this week about Amex spring cleaning, right? Did you, you use some of your time to do this? And I, as you get deeper into this hobby and you get more stuff and more complicated plays and all kinds of different credit cards, it's really important to reevaluate what you have and be proactive or you're leaving a lot on the table at the very least, right? Yeah, it was like me. I, I Netflix and chilled with Amex, I guess, Saturday night is is what happened. I ended up spending like several hours uh, just like getting caught up on some stuff with them. We've talked about, I know me and Joe have talked about it. Just the amount of hoops you have to jump through with Amex is so annoying. And, and with all these no lifetime language offers that they've been sending out, which means you can get multiples of the same card or or if you had the card a couple of years ago, you can still get it and get the bonus. You know, I'm, I'm kind of stacked full of credits I need to work through and I have I've been putting them off a bit. So I booked some flights with the Amex airline incidental credits using the Delta trick where if you use a gift card for part of the the Delta flight and you bill it to your card, you get you that works for credit. We have a, a post on that, so check that out if you're uh, wondering, and as well as for the other airlines. And then I had to go through SACS credits because my wife's annual fee just uh, posted, and I didn't do that yet, so I had to do that and scramble through that. And then I was messing with Dell for the Amex Business Platinum uh, credit, which you know, Amex site is not the the greatest, the fastest moving to click through. And then Dell site is even worse. Like I can understand why all these people hate the uh, Dell credit because uh, I ordered some gift cards and like, I guess they thought some were duplicates, so they canceled them. So I had to do it again. I don't know. It was just a mess, you know, it, it, the fun of Amex. So, I mean, uh, certainly there's a lot going on there and there's a lot to track. Do you track your credits in like a spreadsheet? How or are you just going through and looking to see if you've got a credit this year? <laughs> Yeah, because I usually, hey, that's, I, you, I forget to do you, it. Didn't you make a spreadsheet that you shared with everyone? And Yes, I did. But <laughs> no, you, uh, and usually, usually like January 1st, I just knock them all out. But, you know, I've just been busy this year and, and I didn't have a lot of uh, stuff that I needed to book. I had already booked a whole bunch of flights and everything. I guess I could have just turned it into Delta credit and enrolled it but i didn't want to start that clock since it expires in 12 months and then you know i was messing with other things like annual fees so one tip is you know if you go past 30 days you can't get the annual fee back on your card from american express but they do prorate downgrades so like i had taken an upgrade offer on my wife's everyday preferred last year so when the annual fee posted i went to close it they didn't give us anything and they're like, hey, it hasn't been a full year since you took the upgrade offer. And that year was like outside of the 30-day window. So I was like, all right, you got me. So I paid the annual fee. And then once that one-year window closed, uh, you know, came up, I downgraded to the everyday card, got like $89 of the $95 back. And then two days later, chatted with them and closed it. So that's like a workaround. So these are the type of things I was doing. It's just all over the place. Just a lot, like several hours you know, sitting with uh, Amex under a warm blanket. But yes, I did make a credit card uh, a credit sheet and then didn't use it myself this year. <laughs> if you forget to do it, it's pretty easy on the Amex site to go, you know, look through your transactions. You can go for the year and then, you know, put it down to just credit. So if you forget to do it and you need to catch up, that's fairly easy to do. Uh, so it's not the end of the world. But uh, you're reminding me, I'll, I'll be home 
uh, in a couple of days for about 10 days. And I have a lot of this sort of stuff I have to do. Get those wireless credits done too for your business platinums. Those are annoying too. Like it's, there's just so many. It's just uh, frustrating. I almost want to just close them all, but they keep giving me offers. And I just opened up on uh, business gold because it was another no lifetime language offer. So it's like, I want to get out of the, the rat race, but I can't. <laughs> Did either of you guys get, get it? for a rat race? Sorry. <laughs> Did either of you guys get targeted for a platinum at AU 20,000 points for only 2,000 spend? I just got that. So uh, they're continuing to send out crazy offers. Which that's weird because I got it uh, on my wife's. Like she got it in December of last year. We did it, got the points. And then there was a link which we shared on the site and that worked again. And then she just got another email and it was in the Amex offers for a third time. So I don't know. Should I? If I should do it again or not, but it's just like crazy. They're just throwing points around. Joe, do you think a deval is coming or what? Well, yes, but that I mean, we've always thought a deval is coming as the everything gets always back to be devaluate devaluating. Yeah, ABD. <laughs> but I have the twenty thousand authorized user, and I'm probably gonna do it. But it's just like this is so much work. It's ostensibly the hobby is supposed to be fun. And it's just some, sometimes with all these offers, it feels like it's not fun. I know that, you know, when you get the points and then you use the points for a trip, that's when you actually have the fun, but it is, it has become a lot of work. I can totally see why people are burning out on all this Amex stuff, but then it's also like so good. So you just want to keep investing your time into it, even though, you know, it's just a lot going on. Yeah. I think a a part of the reason I keep taking on more cards is just because you don't know when this is going to end. You know, the personal side of things is one thing, but the business side, they're just throwing out offers right and left, bonuses, spending offers, all this kind of crazy stuff. And like we say, at some point, this has got to stop. So you, you might as well grab what you can while you can. So even though, you know, we're tired of all the credits, it's like, just, okay, give me some more. Let's go. Speaking of devals, did either of you book any Marriott rewards before the the award chart went away? I booked, of course, the Swan or the Dolphin. Let me guess, Dolphin and Swan. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You got to be faster. You got to be quicker on the trigger there, Mark. (laughs) And actually, I I meant to go see if the number had gone down. I doubt it because I'm going on a Disney race weekend, but we will see. I just booked it. I don't even know. Actually, I'm going to go that weekend. I don't know if I'll use those points, but I have these Marriott points sitting around. So I figured might as well at least book something before the devaluation. What about you guys? I've been seeing online. A lot of people have seen the numbers go down for some of their properties. Then, of course, there's no rhyme or reason. I saw someone tweeted. I'm sorry. I can't remember who it was. There was a property for like $400 a night that went down a couple thousand points per night. And then there was a $100 or hundred pound per night london heathrow property that went up like ten thousand points so no real rhyme or reason yet yeah that is surprising because you think that with these changes it's going to be more closely tied to the actual cash price the revenue price but no i don't have any marriott points i haven't had any uh for like three four years and and that was kind of planned and also i can't really get any cards so you know what's the point so i haven't really messed with it but that is a good point you know a lot of people have said they've noticed prices go down so whenever whenever something goes dynamic Usually it's for the worst, but there's always a couple things that, that work out in your favor. So definitely check any bookings you did make to see if, if that happened. What about you, Sean? Did you book anything? I didn't. I have so much going on. I, I didn't. I did stay at a Fairfield, a brand new Fairfield by Marriott. I did. Uh, I did stay at a Holiday Inn last night, though. So, <laughs> so that was my the extent of my Marriott stuff. Like I have, you know, I had one of those travel packages. So I have, uh, I don't know, like five, six hundred thousand points or something like that. Um, so I should have probably been more proactive, but I'm glad to see 
there's some cases of it going down. And it is strange, Joe, that that it's not doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason yet. Maybe we'll figure it out. Maybe it's the property setting it. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't. But I, I plan to use most of mine on lower end properties. So hopefully uh, it'll be a good way to, to fill in. Uh, I'm kind of regretting not doing Swan or Dolphin just because just because Joe did. But uh, we'll see. I know Dan Miller will be jealous when you review the uh, Fairfield Inn and Suites Dayton uh, later this year, Sean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Mr. Points with the crew. Uh, yeah, it's uh, but it was cool, you know, staying at the Fairfield. We don't need to talk about this a lot, but uh, it was a brand new property. So it's kind of their newest product. And uh, I don't stay at Marriott limited service properties all too often, but it certainly reminded me of like a brand new Hyatt place. Really, really solid and uh, enjoyable. Good use, I think, of 20,000 uh, Marriott points, considering the cash price was with tax and everything close to $200. So it was almost a one cent per point uh, redemption. Who knows what it would be uh, under the new program. This was like the day before they took away the award charts. So that uh, was good, but it was nice to uh, to see that. And it's always nice to stay in, in new properties. And, you know, let's pivot here a little bit. I have a, a question I didn't tell you guys I was going to ask you kind of coming in, but I'm staying tonight or last night I stayed at the Hyatt Regency Lake Tahoe, which I also stayed at last year. So I think I talked about it a little bit last year when I stayed there, Uh, but I was by myself and I got an upgrade to a one bedroom cottage that's like right on the lake. And it's like an $1,800 a night room. And I felt so guilty having that by myself last year. So I decided last minute to sort of stay here again with the family. And uh, surprisingly, they gave me the cottage again, the same, the same room. So I get awesome wife points for bringing her to this awesome place. And it was like $140 a night, you know, no resort fee, uh, any of that stuff. They have Tesla charging, which is also nice. But it's a one-bedroom, like, cottage, beautiful, like, steps away from Lake Tahoe. They have the fire pit with the s'mores, of course, which, you know, is very popular at these family-type resorts. My favorite thing is the swim-out pool. Which is, Lake Tahoe I know, very common. And family? That doesn't seem right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. There's a lot of families here. I guess it's for spring break or, or whatever. There's still some uh, of the ski uh, lifts are still open. Uh, we drove, you know, coming up from Reno yesterday, we saw uh, some of that going on. So lots of snow and beauty. And then the lake is just uh, gorgeous. And uh, my favorite is the swim out pool that's heated. You know, you go in the room and you swim out outside, which I think is pretty common in ski resort hotels. This is one of my favorite places in the world. Or actually, I was talking with uh, with a friend yesterday, and Lake Tahoe, I think, is, of all the places I've been in the world, the most beautiful. And I know that's a, like a strange statement, you know, but it's... He likes the <laughs> on the boats. <laughs> no, there's there's none of that right now, Mark, uh, in the end of March, when it's like 40 degrees outside here. But uh, maybe in the summer. i got to come back in the summer. Maybe it'll, it'll just, become it'll Make more. it better if it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> Never know where Mark's going to take a conversation uh, when you're doing this podcast. So it's always a uh, you actually always, always know you actually always know where he's going to take it. You just never know when he's going to take it. Yeah, you got to always be on your feet. I feel like uh, always there. But yeah, so I thought I would ask you guys what is what out of all your travels. Both of you are fairly well traveled. You've been a lot of places. What is the most beautiful place that you've been to in the world? Man, that's like just like natural beauty or a place I love the most. I think natural beauty, like where you're there and you're just sort of awe-inspired by by nature. I feel like that's what Lake Tahoe does. For yeah, I think uh, Alaska did that for sure for me. That's got to be up there. Just, you know, when you're driving around and every little turn off, you're like, whoa, this is great. Like you almost want to pull over every five minutes. And then you're like, do I really need to? Am I ever going to finish this? You know, so 
that's definitely up towards the top. I, th- I thought uh, Vancouver uh, was also that level, and I actually liked it a little bit better because it was kind of cool how you had the city, and then you have all these you know mountains and stuff across the, the water to, to look at and seaplanes flying in and landing. So I guess if just talking straight natural beauty, I would say Alaska, but the view I would probably prefer is, is Vancouver just because of the, the cool mix of city and you know nature. Cool. That's I'm going to both of those this summer. <laughs> a plus. There you go. So, yeah, for me, I mean, we've been to a lot of great places. I think in terms of natural beauty, what stands out the most is both Ireland and Scotland um, in general. So in Scotland, we went to the Isle of Skye and you just get a lot of very dramatic views uh, and the weather is kind of all crazy, which adds to the drama. And then in Ireland, we drove around the Isle of Dingle, or I don't know. No, it's a peninsula. Dingle Peninsula. And that was really amazing, too. We were there Dingle on shoulder berries. season as well. Yes. <laughs> we were there. And, see, well, you're on a roll today, when, aren't you? You never, you never know when. But uh, we were there just on shoulder season, so there weren't a lot of people there because sometimes it's like a one-lane road, so it can get super backed up but since we were there shoulder season there was no one there uh, it was really amazing and there was a beach on the way to dingle peninsula called inch strand and that was probably you know we just stumbled upon it and sometimes when you stumble upon things that you don't know exist it's tough to do in this day and age with google and all that but when you stumble on some natural beauty um, that really kind of takes your breath away and it's a amazing surprise so you know i would give a real shout out for the uh Ireland and Scotland, the United Kingdom in general really has a lot to offer besides just London. Yeah, D- Dublin, um, Ireland, that area is, is really pretty too. That would be up there for me as well. I will say like the place I feel most at peace at or like just enjoy going to and sitting and, and taking it in is weirdly enough uh, Central Park, the conservatory area where they race the little boats. Like I love just sitting there, you know, on a, a nice spring day or fall day and, and watching people race the boats with the, the skyscrapers in the background, but you feel like you're, you know, miles away from it. So that was always uh, kind of cool as well as Roosevelt Island's another one like that, where you get, you know, a little bit of nature, but you're overlooking, you know, the busy, one of the busiest cities in the world, which is kind of cool. You guys reminded me of a few other things, uh, you know, talking about driving in Alaska, of course, New Zealand does that for me as well. There were so many, I remember we were in New Zealand for a few weeks and there were so many waterfalls that by the end of it, we were almost desensitized to these amazing, spectacular waterfalls that, you know, I had never seen even like the smallest of these before. And then you see so many of them that you, you're just like in constant awe. And then of course, like the, the rolling green countrysides and all the sheep and all that is such a cool thing. And I think a lot of Ireland and Scotland is very similar uh, to that. And then the other place that always comes to mind is the Adriatic Sea, the sun coming down over Dubrovnik in the Adriatic. That has to be one of the most uh, picturesque things I've ever seen in my life to the point where I saw it and it just almost took you out of the moment because you're like, wow, you know. No, pictures of there look look amazing. Every time I see it, I'm like, yes, got to go. Yeah, the old city of Dubrovnik so like picturesque because it's just like right out of, you know, the dark ages or something. It even has like a little marina where you could tie up boats and the walled city and yeah, it's spectacular. So I haven't visited since the tourism kind of really took off after Game of Thrones, but uh, it was great before that. So hopefully uh, not too bad. So yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was fun. The Hyatt Regency Lake Tahoe, I do recommend it. I think it's a category six, so it's 25,000 points a night. For the night I was here, it would have been 21,000 because it was uh, low 
demand or whatever. But like I said, I was able to get it for $140. So definitely not going to pay the 21,000 points. Free breakfast. They even gave us like something for free stuff in the thing we were able to use for dinner. So like breakfast and dinner taken care of. So uh, a great property. And it's right on the lake. And uh, so highly recommend that. And uh, I'll post some pictures on social media this week about it. What is it, like an hour drive from Reno Airport if you're flying out there? Yeah, it's less than an hour uh, from Reno, and you go up into the mountains. It's a beautiful drive, kind of uh, scissoring your way up into the mountains. And right now, so when I visited last year was the end of April, so there wasn't all that much snow. But right now, all of the the peaks are, like, you know, full of snow. There's tons of, uh, of ski areas, too. So it's really a beautiful drive in. And then Lake Tahoe is a little bit lower than those peaks, so there's a little less snow here. You know, the lake is beautiful. A little cold to go swimming and to uh, expose yourself on a boat, Mark, but uh, certainly uh, <laughs> it's fun and less cheap, yep. a lot less expensive than in the heart of the winter or the heart of the summer. All right, Mark, you also wrote this week another article in your latest of think pieces. You've been doing a lot of these, you know, we talked about the Hyatt Globalist and you've been really trying to make people who read the site and listen to the podcast, you know, think about what they're doing in the hobby, why they're doing it, um, maybe some of the bad practices that have leaked their way, some of the group think stuff like that. And this week you tackled cents per point and why it really can be a negative on, you know, on your travel, on your decision making, but also how it could be a tool. So you did kind of make the argument on both sides of that. Um, but I thought we'd kind of go through some of the points that you made and talk about them. You know, you start out by saying how it has a negative impact on travel, um, basically talking about how people will adjust their trip just because you can get a better cents per point redemption. Like, Oh, I'm going to go here because I can get a better redemption. Even mention a, a conversation Tim from Frequent Miler had with somebody who, you know, they're trying to choose their hotel and they have a 50K certificate and they want to stay at a hotel that only costs 35K, but they won't use the certificate. So they instead they stay at the hotel they don't want to because it's 50K. You know, they stay at a more expensive hotel. <laughs> yeah. Um, We've all had that thought <laughs> process too, you know, which is crazy. Yeah. I've certainly struggled with like using certificates when it's not the maximum, you know, I think Hyatt category one through four certificates. I don't like to use them. I'd love to use them for category four, not category three, stuff like that. We've had that conversation about Hilton certificates before uh, where you've uh, shamed me for my thoughts on that. But it is true. Like when you're really looking at that, where's the benefit? If you want to stay at a hotel that's 35K, a year from now, are you going to remember that, you know, you left those 15K on the table? Or are you going to remember you stayed in the hotel that you wanted to stay in and that was in the location you wanted and everything else? I'm going to remember because I tweeted it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's, you know, and a lot, especially the free night certs is, is a area where it really comes into play. And I think a lot of people like hold out, hold out to maximize. And then they're left scrambling, you know, the month before they're going to expire. And they just end up booking something that's even worse than, you know, booking category three or like a 70K a night Hilton property instead of. 95k or 120k but it, it kind of diminishes the experience you have and it adds stress where you don't need it as well as i think this all goes into like the the influencers and social media and braggadociousness is that a word i don't know i just made it up of uh points and miles people how they want to be able to say hey you know i i booked this it was four cents a uh, a point look at look at me and Oh, what are you booking that hotel for at 1.5 cents a point? Like I always get over two cents per point. You can't waste your, your miles and points on that. So it's like just this feeling that, you know, the, the gamesmanship, the one-upmanship, as well as chasing that win feeling of, yeah, I got better value than I'm supposed to um, type of thing. And, and it 
it kind of creeps into the planning process, I think, too, where people will say, well, you know, I'm going to New York City. I'm going to stay at the Park Hyatt because it's a thousand bucks a night um, versus, you know, I don't even really want to be near Central Park. I want to be in Midtown, but I'm going to book there because, you know, it gives me better pictures and I can brag about how much, you know, I got and all that stuff. And it, it doesn't really suit you. So you end up having a lesser experience chasing this thing. And it does happen quite a bit, I think. Certainly. I mean, it's, you talk about uh, things on, on social media. I remember, you know, a post, I don't know if I mentioned it here or not, but in the Hyatt Globalist Facebook group, you know, where people were asking what's a good cents per point redemption and everybody was screaming, I always pay cash if it's over two cents per point or if it's not over two cents per point, to which I'm rarely getting two cents per point on my redemptions. I don't know what hotels people are staying at, but you know, it's do what works for you, you know, with your mix of points and money, with your with your budget, with your preferences. And we love to make fun of uh, Benji for, you know, for staying at, you know, terrible Best Westerns and stuff like that. But, <laughs> you know, it, it works for him and it works within his realm of what he wants and what he earns and what he wants to redeem and, and all of that. And, you know, this all kind of ties into the group think and the other one you talked, you know, having elite status is high globalist worth it. You know, how these things alter our decisions and you know, maybe it's important to stay a little bit grounded in our decision making so that we are more true to ourselves and we don't, uh, you know, waste a lot of uh, time and effort and enjoyment on figuring this out. Yeah. And I think it goes hand in hand with that. You know, if you, if you value Hyatt points or you, you have Hyatt status, I had a buddy that reached out after they read the article and said, you know, that really made me think we were saying, Hey, let's go to the Caribbean. Let's plan a trip, you know, later this year, let's go to the Caribbean. Instead of saying, Hey, what island do we think will be the coolest or, you know, which one do we need to check out? I was like, where are the Hyatt hotels located? Cause that's where I want to stay. And that, and he's like, Whoa, I had to take a step back and really think about this. You know, that's driving me to these places. I might not even like St. Kitts, but I'm going to go there cause there's a Hyatt, you know, type of thing. So I think it, it, it's not a good thing or a bad thing or whatever, however you want to travel, you, you should travel. But I think it's just important to realize why you're making certain decisions and take a step back and, and consider it. You know, if these hotels are pretty much ranked evenly to you, but you're getting a little bit better juice out of your points at this one, it makes you happy, go for it. But don't let that be the deciding factor. You know, I think it diminishes your experience and it adds stress and, and things that you don't want in travel. You know, when we first got into this, we weren't like, oh, how, how many cents per point should I get when I, when I book this or what that? You just... I want to go here. How can I do it cheaper? So that's, I think we need to get back to like the roots a bit in the space for sure. Yeah. I think if the pandemic did anything to me, it just made me not worry about that stuff as much. I just want to travel again. And so as long as I can save some money on my travel, you know, I'm happy. So I totally feel what you're saying, Mark. I was never a huge sense per point guy, but when you first get into it, of course you want those wins. You want to feel like the time that you're putting in, you know, we were talking about how much time you put into the hobby and how much it feels like work sometimes. You want to feel like you get a good return on that. And I, I get that. But uh, in the end, especially you know as we're getting older and stuff like that, as we all are almost in the 40 club, you know, it's like... I'm holding on, baby. <laughs> I, I just uh, want to travel. Okay, champ. I just want to travel. <laughs> I, just, I just want to travel. I just want to, you know, spend time with my family, you know, so... If I get 1.1 cents per point or 1.2 or 1.3, who cares? As long as I'm having fun with my family. Now, on the flip side, and you make a point of this, is cents per point is a tool, right? It's an important tool. So you can kind of understand what a program is and sort of where you are engaging 
your own thing. So it can definitely be something to help you make decisions. Just, uh, you know, don't live or die by it. But I know a lot of people had that sort of come back to your article, but <laughs> especially people who probably didn't read the whole article and just read the headline. But uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely is a valid tool that people can use just as long as you don't go overboard. Yeah, like, you know, don't let it drive your decision making. Just use it as a, a process in making decisions. Um, and I think a couple of people made good points in the Facebook group where they said, you know, they get like almost paralyzed when they go to book something because they're like, hey, I found these flights that work. I'm going to book with these miles. But is this the best deal I can get? Should I look at other partners and try to book it like this and that? And they're like, you know, you almost get like nervous about it and stressed out that am I maximizing this? I'm like, there's probably always going to be a slightly better variation of your booking. But, you know, what is that worth? Don't, you know, let great get in the way of good or whatever that saying is. Just go for it. You know, that's why I only stick to I try to keep life simple. I stick to three or four airline currencies, you know, in partnerships and just focus on that. Like, I'm not going to worry about getting into a whole new partnership every time I fly somewhere just to save a few miles. It's just not worth the the mental capacity and, and the hoops to jump through to do it. But hey, if you enjoy that process, then go for it. But don't let it, you know, trap you in place and make a fear for booking. It just makes the whole process unbearable. It makes it feel like you're Amex crediting, I guess. It can be. It can be tough. It could be a lot of mental uh, exhaustion and a lot of, you know, second-guessing your own decision-making. And sometimes you just got to make the decision, move on, enjoy your trip, do what's best for you, do what feels right. And, uh, yeah, unless you're – some people in the hobby do love all the nitty-gritty and all the, you know – nerdy stuff and maximizing everything and looking at all of that. And that's sort of who they are. You know, a lot of those people tend to be very analytical by nature and that works great if it works for you. But, you know, I don't think that that's the normal person who gets into this hobby, especially somebody who's not, you know, living it day and night, uh, you know, who just wants to get some cards, wants to be able to travel for free. Some places wants to be able to, like you say, Joe, spend time with their family and, uh, and make those memories and, it's okay. Like, I feel like the overarching message from all your posts about this stuff in the last month or so have been, it's okay to do you uh, in this hobby instead of what somebody else tells you you should do. And uh, I feel like that's an amazing message. Yeah. And don't, uh, don't browbeat people that don't, you know, want to maximize like you do. That's, that's what we see in the groups too. Like, oh, you booked that, that was dumb. You could, you should have done this or that, you know, just celebrate people traveling, maybe offer tips in a kind way of uh, alternatives they could have used if they ask for it. But if they don't, then don't worry about it. I tweeted about this the other day, but it's just, it just drives me nuts how social media people act like happiness is a zero-sum game. And if someone's happy about something, it takes away from your happiness. So you got to, like, bring them down for some reason. It's just like, you know, let people enjoy what they want to enjoy. You, you can offer constructive and helpful pointers and tips but you know there's no reason to say i would never do that i mean what's the point like who's who's who is that helping i mean only you theoretically to make you feel better about yourself but really it's not helping you because it's making you a terrible person so you know sorry <laughs> rant over true true <laughs> all right speaking of enjoyment one last story joe JetBlue and american airlines you know announced a northeast alliance partnership a while back and they've been code sharing on a lot of flights but the reciprocal elite benefits weren't all that much and i know you're a mosaic. I'm an executive platinum on American Airlines. So uh, this week they announced more benefits, which I think is really good, including like uh, executive platinums or, or American Airlines elites can uh, get uh, you know extra legroom seating on JetBlue and vice versa for mosaics on American Airlines. 
you know, free bags and things like that. And also same day confirmed changes, which I think is a huge benefit. Uh, you know, making this partnership, I think, really, you know, valuable for elites of both airlines. Aside from the fact that American Airlines is dead to me. Yeah, I agree. I think it was weird. I actually had tweeted JetBlue a couple of weeks ago asking if I could make same day changes on American flights um, because, you know, I was thinking about my flights to L.A. And they had said yes. I guess they just made the policy official um, because, you know, Twitter had told me that I would have been able to do that. So that same day change benefit is pretty huge. The seat benefit I'm a little less enamored with just because, of course, I don't want more competition because I earned my status. But, um, you know, it is what it is. I, I think that's fine. I think the more interesting thing and what I really do not want to see is I hope this is just not like 10 years from now, suddenly a JetBlue are merged. I would not love that. If they do merge, though, please keep the JetBlue numbers since I'm not allowed to have American Airlines. I'm sure I could get another one, but, you know, freaking American <laughs> Airlines. Come on. You don't want American Airlines status again so you can complain about it on Twitter? Isn't that why everybody gets it? <laughs> Uh, oh. You got a lot of engagement on that tweet there, Mark. Because <laughs> it's so true. It hit home to a lot of people. Like, I swear everybody's chasing that status because you can get it through spend um, just so they can complain about the service they get on Twitter. But, you know, and that kind of goes to points we've been talking about. Like, a lot of people are doing it just because they can, not not because it makes sense for them or that they'll actually use it. And I think we fall trapped to that, too, where we just chase things, shiny things in this space because – it's possible and it's somewhat easy to do for some people. So they just do it. And it's like, maybe take a step back and think, is it really worth the effort? Um, and what are you giving up to do it? So just a little thing and, and try not to complain on Twitter as much, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I'm most excited about is the seat stuff, Joe, because I do like extra legroom seating. Now what mosaic members will get main cabin extra seating at check-in if it's available. So you're not getting to do it when you book, but you get it when you check in and the same uh, for American elites, uh, they get even more space seating when they check into JetBlue. I think that's really cool. To your point about the merger, I didn't realize just how much they had integrated these flights. I was, I'm going to New York in a couple of weeks and I needed a flight down to Florida. So I'm searching and there wasn't any American flight that showed up. It was all JetBlue flights sold by American. And I didn't realize it had gone to that extent, but uh, for certain markets, but it uh, definitely seems like this is a partnership that's here to stay. And the more benefits, the better for elites, whether they like to complain. Uh, I was gifted my executive platinum status by Hyatt like almost three years ago. And then COVID happened. And then I only had to spend $15,000 on the credit card to keep it. I don't think I'll be uh, spending up to, to keep it past this year, but uh, hopefully I'll get to use it once in a while. And I've been flying JetBlue a lot more than American. So uh, I'm excited about that, uh, getting my whole, uh, getting all my legroom which is important to me. So. I still have not popped my JetBlue cherry. I'll, I'll have to do it to fly to Joe to visit uh, Boston one of these days just because. Do they do mint from uh, Detroit to Boston? I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, that's a super high-value route, man. All, all the business between two of the most important cities in the country. Hey, Motor City. Everybody's coming to GM or something, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can find everything related to the show at mtmpodcast.com. And Joe, where can people find you on the interwebs uh, when they're not listening to this fine podcast? You can find me at As a Joe Flies all over social media. Connect with me there for more hot takes. What about you, Mark? You can find me on Twitter at Detroit Mark. Email me, Mark, at milestomemories.com. Join the Facebook groups. Uh, we'll get back to you there. Comment on the articles. Lots of way. How about, how about you, Sean? 
I just wanted to do a special shout out to all the new listeners. The show has been growing. Uh, we hitting another record for downloads and listeners this month. So we really appreciate everybody out there who listens, who interacts with us on Twitter. Uh, you know, milestomemories.com, you can find everything. We're also at Miles to Memories throughout all of the social media platforms. I post a lot of pictures, videos from my travels. So if you're into seeing that sort of stuff, check us out on like Instagram and uh, of course Twitter for all of our latest musings about how many countries we visited and all that crazy stuff. So uh, we really just appreciate everybody who enjoys the conversations we have, enjoys our insights into things, and uh, hopefully we'll continue to grow. That's going to do it for this week's podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you guys later. Bye. I get awesome uh, wife points here. All right. Well, hold on. Got to love hotels. The call's coming from inside the house. I <laughs> uh, just wanted to make sure that uh, you checked out all the facilities. Oh, it's cheaper. What, Swanis? Yeah, I spent 170 Now it's 160 Wait, what's oh, the best nice. way to do this? I just cancel and rebook, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Easy peasy. Yeah, lemon squeezy.